Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. So welcome back again to Sacred Space. Uh, my name is John Keeley. Out and about again, and this time I've come to a lovely part of England uh, to visit a shrine. And um, I don't know much about it, so I was. it was suggested to me that I, I contact uh, Mr. Tim MacDonald, who's going to explain who he is, where we are, and uh, I'd I listen to this because it's, it's a beautiful story. So welcome to the program, uh, Tim. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to speak. Thank you very much indeed for coming to join us. Tim, where are we? You're in a small village in the north of Norfolk, uh-huh. which is on the eastern side of England, Yeah, miles from anywhere. Um, but our lady didn't think about that when she... No. Um, so, we're in the beautiful place uh, called uh, the Shrine of Our Lady of Walshingham, is it? You are indeed. Um, but the the village uh-huh. um, is the place where Richeldis had her vision, Richeldis being the um, Lady of the Manor in 1061. Okay. So, the shrine is um, 954 years old. Um but it's had many fluctuations in its in, history in its time. with the Reformation and so on. But so just going back to the start, um, did you mention the year 10? 1061. Okay. We get the date quite precisely in a ballad that was printed, and it starts off, Of this chapel see here the foundation, builded the year of our Lord's incarnation, 10,000 10, complete, 60 and 1, the time of King Edmund of this region. So it sets it quite clearly it does, within yes. a historical yes. context. Okay. Um, and that ballad then goes on to tell us what we know of the history of the ancient shrine. Um, okay, so tell me what happened, so. The, um, the lady had her vision, and in the vision, Our Lady uh, Mary asked her to build in Walsingham a copy of the Holy House of the Annunciation, which um, mm. would have been in Nazareth, of course, um, and which we understand later appeared in Loretto in Italy. Okay. So in Walsingham, she built this house. Um, it she was having trouble getting it to stand up, so she went back into her room and prayed further. And the house, um, the ballad tells us, was moved by angels' hands, rather like the Loretto story again. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the house was moved from one site, about 200 yards, to a different site. And there, when the workers came back in the morning, it had been built in a fashion that they could not have done. Wow, wow. So they say it was built by angels' hands. It became it um, became quite famous. Um, most of the kings of England came to visit the shrine, mm-hmm. and they would would do. Um, sorry, most of the kings of England came, yeah. and um, they brought their court with them. So Walsingham would have been a very very busy place. Um, and that was up until 1538 and the Reformation. Now, just bring it back a little bit, Tim. When she initially had these visions, how did the church accept it? Because sometimes people have visions and uh, maybe the church said, oh, I'm not too sure about this now. The, um, 
I think we have to accept that the church was not as organized then okay. as, of course, it is today. And just as a lot of saints were sort of sanctified within their locality, mm-hmm. I think um, something like this shrine at Walsingham wasn't officially approved documents and all the rest okay, of it signed okay. by the Archbishop of Canterbury or the Pope or anything. But kings and queens come anyway. But yeah. it became very famous. Okay. And by um, the 1100s, a priory had been built beside it. Um, <coughs> Augustinian okay. canons looked after it. And it became one of the famous places of European pilgrimage, along with Rome, Compostela, Jerusalem and Walsingham. And of those four, which were the primary pilgrimage spots in medieval times, obviously the only uh, Marian one of those is Walsingham. So just to remind ourselves again, this lady in a vision was asked to build this house. Indeed. Which replicated or very similar to the house of Nazareth, is that it? We, Not sure. We would suspect that she built it, or it was built yes. out of wood, because wood was the building material of those days. And also, um, later on, it was to protect it. Once the large priory church had been built, they erected a stone chapel around the original house. Okay. And this was all excavated in 1961, and they found the stone foundations with burnt wooden... Oh, okay. Parts okay. above the stone, so it would seem that a stone, a wooden building, rested on stone Initially foundation. So it was there. Yes. So that brings us up to what around fifteen hundred, sixteen. It kept growing. Indeed, it kept mm-hmm. growing. As I say, the um, there were the court came many, many, mm-hmm. many times. Um, various kings, queens, all those. So. They would come with hundred to three hundred people. Well, maybe mm, in their entourage. Mm, mm, mm. Cardinal Wolsey came, um, and Henry VIII himself came in fifteen eleven, I think it was, okay. and he stayed a mile away from where we are today. Okay, um, and we are a mile south of Walsingham, mm-hmm. so he stayed a further mile away. And there is a document that of the time that says that he worked be- walked barefoot from Barsham Manor, which is a a mile away, um, to Walsingham, which would have been a distance of about two and a half miles. And the thing of importance is that he would have stopped at the Slipper Chapel, which is today's Shrine of Our Lady of Walsingham, Uh and um, confession would have been heard there, and then he would have carried on walking into the shrine, where he presented a um, costly necklace of great jewels I think was the phrase yes so yes. Um, one wonders what happened to it when he got all the jewels back one <laughs> wonders yes which happened some years afterwards yes so this continued on now when it came around the Reformation time was it, uh, what was it what happened at the Reformation the um, monks oh, sorry the canons of Walsingham were one of the first people to sign the Act of Supremacy, okay. which was the initial break with Rome, accepting Henry VIII as head of the church in England. So Walsingham was the first to do so. The thinking is that they thought if they signed it, they would be saved. Yeah, yeah. 
but this didn't happen. Um, there was some opposition to this, and um, some people were put to death mm-hmm. for um, opposing the signing of the um, declaration. Yes. And in 1538, the King's Commissioners came and um, took all the valuables, the money, the, the jewels... The, took back the, his necklace. The, mm. Took back his necklace, mm. Mm. all the silver and gold plaques mm. that had been presented. It was very rich. It was second only to Canterbury and St Thomas of Beckett. Oh, okay. um, and it was... Um, the monks were dispersed, the canons were dispersed, and the eventually the buildings were sold and used as a quarry, and very little remains today. So, I mean, at this particular stage now, we're about 1530, 1540. Yes. Um, Catholic practice around this area was just... Catholic practice in the whole of England was forbidden. Just forbidden. It was um, treasonable to um, harbour a priest, and um, many people were put to death for this. The priory, it never was an abbey, but the priory was closed in 1538. In 1539, a woman was taken up in front of the local magistrates for praying the rosary in public, and she was put in the stocks and carted around Walsingham on market day and pilloried and stuff thrown at her and all the rest of it. And that was just one year after it had been a thriving trial. You know, so the mindset of people really changed. The statue was taken from the shrine and taken to Chelsea in London, and it was burnt and the ashes were thrown into the Thames. And the house itself? The house itself was destroyed. Was destroyed. Yes. Okay. So at this particular stage, it's really non-existent, uh, and presumably people were told not to speak about it, and so on, so so forth. Yes. So what happened after that in terms of um, that's right. Walsingham, as far as the shrine is concerned, nothing happened, um, but a devotion remained. The slipper chapel that I mentioned, Henry VIII stopping mm-hmm. at, that was built 1340 as a pilgrim chapel on the way to Walsingham. That became a farm building and remained so until the late 1800s when an Anglican woman, Church of England woman, bought it um, with the intention of (coughs) putting some um, Anglican nuns there to look after it. And she had this interest in the old monastic buildings. So she did that. But... God took a hand and she went on retreat and came out of the retreat a Roman Catholic. Now, so just to put things in context, really Catholics were not allowed really to practice openly till about the mid-1800s. Yeah, 1829. So about 300 years and, and Catholics yes, were not allowed to, to publicly right. practice any... A lot of the time, relation. as I say, that it was treasonable to yes. um, be a Catholic, to harbour a priest, was certainly um, mm. you put to death for... Um, I think 264 martyrs for the Catholic faith in that period Um, so that puts it into context with this lady uh, building this little bit of a shrine here uh, uh, going on retreat coming out of Roman Catholic there was something miraculous about something of God's hand in that 
in the early 1800s there was something in the Church of England called the Oxford Movement Yes, and they brought back a lot of vestments and singing and Mm. candles Mm. and incense and so on bringing back the medieval feel of the liturgy um, and the Roman side of the liturgy and Charlotte Boyd was the lady's name she had been influenced by this she formed orphanages in London which was her primary work she had three orphanages there that she formed Mm -hmm. so she was a very um, good charitable lady Um, but anyway as I say she then took this interest in ruins and um, bought the Slipper Chapel Mm. became a Catholic and gave it to the Catholic Church who frankly didn't know what to do with it Okay, (laughs) okay In 1897, however, um, the local parish priest who was in Kings Lynn, which was 27 miles away, this area was in Kings Lynn Parish, mm-hmm. he petitioned Pope Leo XIII and built a lady chapel onto his church, which um, was once again another copy of the, in this case it was a copy of the Loretto Holy House. Okay. And enshrined in it was a statue sent by Pope Leo XIII from Rome, and this was the first statue of Our Lady of Walsingham to be enshrined in um, England at the time. So that was the re- reenactment of yes, the shrine. Yes, maybe. yes. Um, so that was 1897. Then, after the celebrations there of mm-hmm. this shrine being set up. The following day they took a train out to Walsingham, walked out to the Slipper Chapel, prayed there, about 50 people, so that was the first modern pilgrimage on August the 20th, 1897. So from that small beginning we now see, I think last year we had over 120,000 pilgrims we we know of, and then there'd be a similar number of people passing through, so couple of hundred thousand. And, and so really would this be one of the major or the major uh, shrine to Our Lady in England? Indeed, there, mm-hmm. there are lots of local shrines mm-hmm. around England as there are in uh, Ireland, Ireland yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. but in 1934 Cardinal Bourne declared that because of its age its connection with the ancient pilgrimage, the mm-hmm. ancient shrine that the Slipper Chapel was declared to be the national shrine of Our Lady for Roman Catholics in England. That's okay. quite a mouthful, but we call it the Slipper Chapel. That's beautiful, <laughs> that's beautiful. And speaking about this statue, just as an aside, I believe when, uh, when was it Benedict came here, Pope Benedict came here recently, was the, was the, um, the statue moved to London? Uh, no, it wasn't Pope Benedict's, it was, it was Pope John Paul II John Paul II, John Paul II. Oh, okay. Um, the roads around Walsingham are like little Irish lanes. And beautiful. Um, <laughs> lovely, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. not, 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 made for not the place for a papal no, no, visit. No. You know. So they decided that the statue would go to Wembley Stadium, lovely. where the Pope was saying Mass, Pope, Pope John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II. Yes. And um, it was placed slightly away from the altar, yeah. and he was going to refer to it in his sermon. So he had the statue brought forward, and once he'd pointed at it and yeah. spoke about it, um, instructed his MC to place it on the altar. 
uh, who the MC was not very happy with no, this because it's very very unliturgical. Typical but, John Paul. Um, John Paul did uh, it, yeah. and we have this wonderful photo of him and Cardinal Hume and the statue. Beautiful. So um, yes, she had her day in Wembley, and at the end of mass, contrary to the arrangements. She was taken on a, a victory tour around the stadium and <laughs> she passed that. people who were singing Marian anthems and so beautiful, on. Beautiful, beautiful. So it's a change from the FA Cup final. <laughs> so if we return again now to the shrine here and you mentioned that you mentioned about pilgrimage, uh, pilgrimage and in, in, in most places, in most areas, the, the, there's a set sort of formula maybe for one of a better word or set ceremonies. Uh, one of the things that I heard here last night is that there is a tradition, and I think you, you, you might have alluded to it earlier, of actually walking up the pilgrim mile, is that right? Indeed. The distance between the Slipper Chapel and the um, village is mm-hmm. a mile and a bit, mm-hmm. a good Irish mile. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they... I think originally it was to make a, a bonus of that... And okay. that people have to come from our accommodation in the village to come to the shrine. Okay, okay. But it is the last part of the ancient pilgrim's journey. They would have all gone to the pil- slipper chapel, made their confessions, and then walked into oh, oh, Okay, okay. But our pilgrims these days do walk the mile, but usually in the opposite direction. They leave the village 10 o'clock every day, yes. virtually, and process with the statue of Our Lady of Walsingham down to the slipper chapel here, um, where they will um, finish their procession, perhaps go to confession, have mass at twelve o'clock, and then there's other devotions throughout the day, as okay. you would in any Marian shrine. Is the uh, is the shrine open all year round? It is. It's open all year. Um, we have a twelve o'clock mass every day, mm-hmm. apart from about three, when we have the very large pilgrimages, um, and then. Um, they tend to be of foreign nationals living in this country Mm -hmm. and two of them are Tamil pilgrimages one would be of about six seven thousand and the bigger one would be sixteen seventeen thousand so on those days the pilgrim mass is said in the parish church in the village because everything down at the shrine is in um, Tamil or Malayalam or one of their languages okay okay and I believe there's other there's a few more pilgrimages I heard of the new dawn indeed the that's right the the month of August is um, a month when the flavour of pilgrimage changes. Mm. The first week of August, for six days, we have the New Dawn Conference, which is the English Charismatic Conference. Mm-hmm. A very quiet time, I believe. <laughs> um, the quiet, <laughs> not. No, no, no. <laughs> no, they're all very alive in the spirit beautiful, in beautiful, August, yes. and particularly young people. Yeah. Um, they have um, about two and a half thousand people here every day. They have a tent that will hold that number for their uh, mass and yeah. their other um, praise uh, events, and, yeah. praise yeah. and yeah. so on. Um, so that's the first week in August. The last week in August is a um, group called Youth 2000. Another quiet crowd. Another quiet crowd, <laughs> indeed. And these yeah. are primarily 18 to 30-year-olds, yeah. that yeah. sort of age group, some younger, but that's what it's aimed at um, young people who are perhaps drifting or searching for their faith yes. and they um, that's that last weekend in August and it's a real 
in the past it's been a real sort of hotbed of vocations you know, lots of priests and sisters and brothers have come out of the uh, the thing that I'd always be interested in is, is and you, you you probably view this because you're, you're because you're here, the sort of a profile of people who come on pilgrimages to a place like this. Sometimes people think it's only the over sixties and the only over seventies. Your experience of people coming on pilgrimage here? Um, I've been here twenty odd years. Mm-hmm. When I first came, yes, it was the. 50s, 60s, 70s, who came on pilgrimage, those who had the leisure time to do it. Mm. Um, But the emphasis is changing. They're now less able to come. Mm. And with the various um, initiatives in the church, like new evangelization and so on, Mm. we are getting a greater um, variety of pilgrims um, age-wise and... Recently, um, we're seeing an awful lot of school children who mm-hmm. are um, coming, um, local schools mostly because of the distances yes, and so on. Yes. But um, we're hoping to increase that and also to appeal to young people because we've just launched an appeal to um, bring Walsingham into the 21st century, really, and um, improve our accommodation have different types of accommodation mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we've got you know the the comfortable on suites for, yes, yes. for the older person but mm-hmm. we've still got um smaller rooms with bunk beds for the students you know? yeah, for, so yeah, we can um have fine. a real mix of the church the you know the church you see in your parish you mm. know, and it's you know, would there be a message from Walsingham or would it be that that, that that mary is the queen the mother of the Walsingham message has mm. always been of the Annunciation. Okay. Um, Mary being keen to do God's word, Mary receiving the word and the spirit into her heart. Um, so it has always been the Annunciation that has been preached here. Mm. Because in the original Pinson Ballad, it, um, Mary says to Richeldis, um Building was when she showed her the holy house. She said, yes. "Building Walsingham, um, something of the same size. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not the original mm-hmm. words, mm-hmm. Um, which will be to my the singular honour of my salutation when the angel gave me greeting mm-hmm. to tell me that I would be the mother of God." Yes. So mm-hmm. it's from the very very beginning. It's been a house of the Annunciation. Okay. So, you know, the house of Joachim and Anne, where Mary received the angel. Mm. Um, so that's okay. the message of Walsingham. Beautiful. In, I say we have a lot of Tamil visitors, mm-hmm. and a lot of them come to pray that they may have children. And I can't tell you the number who come back days, week, a few weeks after the birth and present this child to the statue because oh, it was in the slipper chapel that they um, prayed they that prayed. this should happen. You know, wow. It's an amazing witness to... Isn't it? You know, and, um, That's beautiful. You know, That's every beautiful. time it touches the heart, you know, to see these tiny little infants coming... Beautiful. Um, ...being presented to a lady. You know, yes. The other, th- the other thing that I must bring up, because uh, for the, 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 the newcomer to Walsingham... A little bit confusing in this. Yes. When, it, when you walk into the village, you say, where would I find the shrine? Yes. 
Sometimes we're led to the Anglican. Yes, indeed. Explain to me. The, the, um, the development of the two shrines has... Um, there's a Church of England shrine. Mm. There's also an Orthodox um, shrine of Our Lady here. Um, and the Methodists have great devotion. So it's very ecumenical. Yeah. And there has been a, an ecumenical development within Walsingham. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it's very confusing to the fir- mm. when you come the first time because the Roman Catholic shrine is is a, is a mile out of the village yes. at the, mm-hmm. ancient, mm-hmm. At the medieval slipper chapel. Mm-hmm. But the Church of England shrine, mm. they were fortunate enough to be able to buy some property just next door to where the original priory stood. Okay. Um, yes. And there was some confusion in the beginning, um, but it was all sorted in 1961, whether when a dig was an archaeological dig was mm-hmm. done. Um, and the Anglican shrine is just what it is. It's a copy of the ancient shrine. Mm. It has a holy house within the chapel, mm. um, but it is a 1930s copy. Yes. And initially it was also born out of the Oxford movement Mm -hmm. um, where they were trying to revert to the pre-Reformation church and bring those elements into the current church Mm -hmm. of England. Mm -hmm. And we recommend our pilgrims visit, um, but it can be very, very confusing because a lot of the time they will use the Roman Missal and things like that. That's right. You might be a little... Yes, confused as to where you are. Yeah. Now I, I just said I've been at a because a list as might just happen to be Morsingham and might just not recognise at this too. Okay, Tim. Just before we finish off the interview, uh, just a few more things, please. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the image of a lady Walsingham, please? She's sitting on a chair, I believe. Yes, um, she's sitting on a, a very throne. simple wooden throne, taking us back to Saxon times, okay. ten sixty one. Um, the original statue, we have no image of it, no picture, no okay. drawing or anything. Right. Obviously no photograph from the, from the pre-1530s, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know there is a description in it by a man called Erasmus, and he says that it's a small image, neither noticeable for its artistry or its workmanship. So it sounds like a small, locally carved... Okay. Statue of Our Lady. Um, this was then on the seal of the Walsingham Priory, the wax seal that uh-huh. had been put on official documents. Yes. And when the shrine was restored in the mainly in the thirties, um, they used that seal as the base to create statues of Our Lady of Walsingham. Mm-hmm. And the statue, as you've just said, um, Our Lady sitting on a simple wooden throne with the child Jesus on her lap. Um, he's holding a book, which we take to be the book of the Gospels, mm-hmm. um, telling his life. Both of them are wearing crowns, Mary obviously Queen of Heaven, um, Jesus being Christ the King, uh-huh. um, both showing their um, sovereignty. And the other item that shows sovereignty over heaven and earth would be the lily. Yes. Um, the lily is like a scepter, if you think of coronation ceremonies. Uh-huh. Yeah. And certainly Queen Elizabeth of Great Britain hold, held a yes. lily or held a golden rod, yes. which is the um, scepter, and that's a sign of sovereignty over the realm. Yes. 
But in Mary's case, it has three blooms, and they're reckoned to represent the Trinity. Um, okay. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The chair itself, um, on one side there are three gold rings, which we think to be, um, once again, the Trinity. On the other side there are four, which we take to be the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Seven making the sacraments, um, gifts of the Spirit, and so on. Behind Mary is a a rainbow carved in the wood, which is a sign of God's covenant with man. Okay. So all of those things, um, some of the statues where her feet are resting, there's a um, toad, because the toadstone was an ancient East Anglian sign of evil. Okay. So that gives us the Mary treading down the serpent in the apocalypse. So the statue is full of meaning, and... um, but we, as I say, the original was taken to London, burnt, so we weren't left with any image. So it's what's mm. been just garnered from the um, wax seal of the priory. Beautiful and certainly unique. Um, is there a feast day or is the day specifically set aside? Indeed, mm. the um, Feast of Our Lady of Walsingham was created officially in 2001 and it is a feast in the Roman calendar. Um, which is unusual in that Mary isn't given place names these days mm-hmm. as feasts, mm-hmm. but Walsingham was. Um, and as I first celebrated in 2001 with great solemnity here in Walsingham, mm-hmm. and celebrated by both shrines. And on that feast, we do have a joint procession and so on to show that we're both honouring Our Lady in our own way. Very yeah. good, lovely. So, um, and that. Um, Rome produced a prayer for that which takes us to the very heart of what Walsingham is about and the the collect for the mass says grant we pray almighty God that that as in the mystery of the incarnation the blessed and ever virgin Mary conceived your son in her heart before she conceived him in the womb so we your pilgrim people rejoicing in her motherly care may welcome him into our hearts and become a holy house fit for his eternal dwelling who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. So that's the collect uh, for that particular day. for the Mass, yes. It might be fitting so to finish off this interview and thank you so much for your time. Um, With the prayer, please. The prayer that that is set aside. In the... Early 1500s, um, a man called Erasmus, who was a um, humanist from Rotterdam, Mm -hmm. he came and studied at Cambridge. He was a great friend of St. Thomas More, um, and he came on pilgrimage, and he wrote a prayer uh, which we still use today, and his prayer says this, O alone of all women, mother and virgin, mother most happy, virgin most pure, Now we, sinful as we are, come to see thee who are all pure. We salute thee, we honour thee as how we may with our humble offerings. May thy Son grant us that, imitating thy most holy manners, we also, by the grace of the Holy Ghost, may deserve spiritually to conceive the Lord Jesus in our inmost soul, and once conceived, never to lose him. Amen. Amen. Tim McDonald, Sacristan for the shrine here in Our Lady of Walton. Thank you so much for your time and certainly for your, for your, 
for your welcome and hospitality to us. And also, I know you mentioned at the start of the program, uh, your welcome especially is is extended to any Irish visitor the welcome of you. It certainly is, and my sacristan would be a little annoyed. I must reserve his he's sacristan. <laughs> That's okay. Tim, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you. God bless you now. Bye bye. Bye bye. So that was a lovely interview that I conducted early on during the year. Uh, thanks again to, to Tim McDonald. So just to finish off this section, um, I think it's only fitting that we play the Catholic hymn, uh, Mary of Walsingham. And this is sung by the choir of St. Peter and Paul in Wantage from Oxen. So let's say that. Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.